0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week we pick a movie to watch and talk about. And this month, we're going through the films of John Carpenter. And this week, we are watching...
1: Starman, a movie we've never seen before.
0: Uh, yeah. This is one of the few in the Carpenter canon that I've never seen. And surprisingly really good.
1: Yeah, I ended up liking it a lot more than I anticipated.
0: Same. Cause this is um this is post the thing when Carpenter's kind of in studio exile. Yeah. Makes the thing, it's his first attempt at a big studio, it flops, he has to do the um he has to do Christina Columbia to show he can still make money, but it kinda got panned by critics. And this is his follow-up to Christine. And I don't I don't even know how to describe Starman. Is it a comedy? Is it a genre film? It's definitely not a John Carpenter-feeling film. It's very different than Halloween, Escape from New York, um, The Thing, A Solar Precinct 13, even like Big Troll from Little China, or They Live. This is a very different Carpenter film.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of comedy, but it's just kind of to relieve the tension in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to describe it. It doesn't feel John Carpenter- but I mean, this movie had me in my feels.
0: Oh, that the ending of this movie—I I ain't gonna lie. This is probably the closest this month I've come to to you know getting misty eyed over watching a Carpenter movie.
1: I'll say, didn't you cry recently watching a movie?
0: I don't. I don't think. Oh so. yeah, you did. Wait, Wrath
1: of Khan. Which...
0: Oh okay, Wrath of Khan doesn't doesn't count. I always cry at the end of Wrath of Khan. I swear, Wrath of Khan is one of the greatest films ever made. Star Trek, superior to Star Wars. is wonderful. Get out of here. Wrath of Khan is Shakespearean. It's tales of revenge. It's tales of regrets. It's tales of growing old. It is a masterpiece. And it is Shatner's greatest performance as Kirk.
1: And you have a crush on Ricardo Montalban.
0: The man has abs to die for, but I do not have a crush on Ricardo Montalban. I can just, you know... Except the fact he's a very handsome man. But besides the point, besides the point. So, uh, but yeah, this movie, it's a really, like, in the feels. It's a very humanistic film. It's a very uh, sentimental film. Yeah. It, which is weird, because John Carpenter, usually he's the cynic, or he's a little bit, like, tongue-in-cheek, or he's anti-establishment. He's, this feels like a Spielberg movie, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I was watching it, I kind of felt like this was the adult version of E.T.
0: That That is a, a great way to put it. That is exact. I wrote that down. This feels like...
1: Did you? Did you write it down? Because I read your notes. I didn't see that anywhere.
0: Okay, okay. Right here, right here. This film <clears throat> has a blend of E.T. Superman and it happened one night in its DNA. It doesn't feel like a traditional Carpenter film. It feels like a Spielberg film. I written in the notes. I got receipts.
1: He just jotted it down right now.
0: Oh, so many, so many lies. But, but
1: yeah, that's how it felt to me. It felt like we're getting a less scary ET.
0: Because E.T.'s a horror film for you.
1: I mean, look, ET's sweet. You know, it's you know heartwarming to see the bond of this little boy and this alien. You know, the boy is going through divorce and he's just kind of like falling through the cracks and you know this alien saves him but yeah et's design has always scared the crap out of me Mm -hmm. so to see an alien that just looks like a human
0: yeah it looks like a jeff bridges
1: looks like young jeff bridges with abs not terrifying at all
0: is it weird to see a young jeff bridges
1: yeah i'm used to older jeff bridges so i'm like wow i'm like, okay.
0: you're you're a big Lebowski and up Jeff, Jeff Bridges person.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't really go too far back. There is that black and white movie with Jeff oh, Bridges. The
0: Last Picture Show. There
1: you go. That one.
0: Uh, I watched that on the other podcast mm-hmm. that I do. Uh, we haven't, I guess we haven't done it in a long time, but yeah, the film Odyssey. He's great in The Last Picture Show. Yeah. And that is him really young. That movie came out in like 70-something. So, yeah, so it's... yeah.
1: It's a different take. It felt a lot like E.T., just, you know, more on a a romantic level. It takes them a while to develop romantic feelings because it's, you know, basically her grieving the loss of her husband. Yeah. But we do have, you know, the scary alien moment when there's just, like, this scary baby on the floor in her house, which I was just like, <laughs> that what effected, the fuck are we watching? That
0: is, that is John Carpenter being like, I can I make this a little creepy, right? I, I, I gotta
1: squeeze a little something in there. A and I'm like, a little
0: creepy. And that's right. when I'm like,
1: this is a John Carpenter movie. Cause, you know, we have the weird baby that, you know, transforms from, you know, baby to toddler to child, teenager to man.
0: And the <laughs> weird head effect thing that, yeah, that didn't age well. And that looks like a horror moment. Yeah. Besides the, besides the point. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, we mentioned E.T. and we bring it up because, uh, you know the, you know the backstory of this film?
1: Uh, no, all? I don't.
0: Okay, so, uh, we we'll, I guess we'll do the little context. So, Starman in, I believe it's 1979, 1980, mm-hmm. the script gets offered to Columbia, and they have to decide between two movies. Uh, it's Starman and this other movie called Night Sky. They're both about aliens coming down to Earth, night sky airs more to like a family film starman airs to more like a romance film Mm -hmm. they say we think starman's gonna make more money we'll buy this script and night skies will just let it let it ride yeah so they go into a pre-production and start trying to figure out how they're gonna make starman work well that happens night skies goes to universal steven spielberg picks it up and turns that into et there you go (laughs) and after et comes out i think they're still like they're about to start Working on Starman, but then ET comes out and they're like, "No, we can't follow that up. It made more money than God. Yeah, we, we can't, if we do this, it's just going to be and it's going to be an ET ripoff. We need to like redefine the entire film. So Starman goes away for like a year, and in that time, Carpenter already makes Christine for Columbia. Christine makes money, you yeah. know, it's a $10 million budget, makes 25 at the box office.
1: It's a Stephen King story. Stephen King movies usually do mm. very
0: well. Exactly. And Carpenter shepherded the project. Yeah. Again, you say a lot what you want about Carpenter. He's a consummate professional. He, movies come in under budget on time. They, yeah. He, always. So they think, okay, we offered Starman to a bunch of directors. None of them really were hot on the idea. For one reason or another, Carpenter looks at it and he says, this gives me an opportunity to stop doing genre films Mm -hmm. for one reason. He can finally do something that's a little bit more of a drama, a little bit more of a comedy, something that's not Halloween, the thing, Escape from New York, something out of his genre wheelhouse.
1: The Fog. The
0: Fog. So he picks it up and they give him like $20 million to make the movie, which this feels like a $20 million budget movie. I mean, granted, Um, the effects are done by ILM in 84, so that's probably bumped the budget up a little bit, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got, what is it, uh, the the orange charger, Mm -hmm. uh, we have the hot rod, we have explosions, we travel to different locations, so it feels like...
0: A a bigger movie. A
1: bigger movie, a bigger budget, which was kind of nice to see, you know, the movie expand and they're traveling and they're on the go.
0: Yeah, that's a thing that really drew Carpenter to the movie was it was going to be a road movie because I think he was attached to do Firestarter, hmm. um, Stephen King's Firestarter yeah. after the thing, but mm-hmm. the thing tragically bombed and they took him off Firestarter and gave it to somebody else and then he ended up doing Christine, but he wanted to do that road movie because yeah. if you ever read Firestarter, it's about a dad and the daughter kind of traveling around running from the government. It's a, it's a road movie. Yeah. So he takes this, it's the road movie he wanted to make, it's a romance film, and he does it, and it gets, actually, it's probably his most critically successful film he makes in his entire career.
1: Yeah, because it has a little bit of everything in it. It's not just a horror movie, an action movie, it just has so many working parts, and it all works together.
0: And it gets, Jeff Bridges nominated for his second Oscar, I believe. He's nominated, I think he's nominated for Last Picture Show, and this is his second Oscar nomination. Okay. Granted, he loses to, um, Sir Salieri, F. Murray Abraham. Oh. Yeah, this is the year that Amadeus dropped.
1: Yeah. I mean, Amadeus is such a powerhouse. I love that movie.
0: I watched it for the first time, like, two months ago on your recommendation, because we found I... it at some bargain bin or something. i've
1: been telling you for years you gotta watch amadeus i can't find it
0: i couldn't find it anywhere it wasn't
1: i would have a... let you borrow my copy I, I
0: didn't know you had a copy now i know well
1: of course how else am i gonna watch it
0: <laughs> but yeah but um am- sidetrack for amadeus f marie abraham oh yeah that that's the deserving performance right
1: definitely i mean i'm super jelly still our friend Thomas got to go see it at the Hollywood Bowl with a live
0: orchestra. Oh, I saw, th- I saw that he posted <sighs> on on Instagram, and I'm like, "Bruh, uh, thanks for the invite, oh Well,
1: uh, yeah, his, his girlfriend—that uh, was one of his gifts for his birthday, and I was just like, "That was something that I had wanted to to go do," and I don't know why we didn't end up getting tickets for it, but
0: it, it probably it's a three-hour movie in a stadium.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a beautiful movie, but. You know, he made me laugh because his last, you know, one of his stories, he was just like, I cried the entire time. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, hearing Mozart's music and seeing, you know, the the orchestra, I would be in tears too.
0: Well, see, Amadeus didn't hit me like emotionally like that, but my God, the, the ending sequence where Salieri and Amadeus and they're composing together. Mm-hmm. They're
1: finally working together. They're finally together.
0: working together and the music builds as he's explaining and Salieri's writing and I'm like, "Oh, this is Oh, this is like poetically beautiful." Yeah. Like I think the movie is like a beautiful film.
1: Yeah.
0: But um yeah, so you can see why Starman might not have lit up the Oscar season.
1: Yeah, I mean
0: it, it's surprising that this is the only film in John Carpenter's entire career that gets nominated for any Oscar. Like, I mean, the thing I, I doesn't feel, get nominated for special effects. I feel
1: Halloween should have won all the Oscars.
0: You you say that, but wait. Halloween came out in, what, 78? Eight. Oh, the, oh, God, fuck. There was, there was other great movies that came out in 78. It's gotta be, right?
1: Yeah, I think we did something. It must have been recently or the past couple of months where we looked... And it was just a stacked year. Oh, it was something amazing. movies. And it's just like.
0: Wait, didn't Star Wars come
1: out in 78? 77, I believe.
0: Oh, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the year Annie Hall won. Hmm. Yeah, Annie Hall beat Star Wars at the Oscars, everybody. Let that sink in.
1: (laughs) Well, it's also that the Oscars, you know, they don't really focus on sci fi and horror too much.
0: It's very rare they get like genre films get any Oscar consideration. That, that's why
1: it's you know it was such a big deal like when um what was it Uh parasite won
0: um, yeah parasite won best picture the, last the year or the with, year before the
1: one with Guillermo del Toro um, shape of water shape of water there you go God, shape,
0: shape of water everyone's like oh this this horror movie I'm like it's it's really just like a like a just a weird romance film or weird sci fi romance film but. Okay, yeah, the fish person is pretty fucking creepy.
1: I mean, he's cool when you go visit him at the Academy Museum.
0: Yeah, well, the, that is that is really cool. But the other thing is that's the same year that Get Out's nominated for Best Picture and wins Best Screenplay. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel Get Out was probably the, the better movie out of Shape of Water and the two... I
1: think the Academy just needs to, like, you know, really evaluate their criteria because it's, you know, we have horror movies and sci-fi... And it's just, like, these movies, people love them, and they continue, and they, you know, progress, and it's just, like...
0: Well, you gotta remember, it's a political thing a lot of the time. And the other part is, you know, the Osc- sometimes the Oscars are like, well, this is the best movie of the year, and it didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. And usually the movies where it's like, well, this movie made a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Why should we give it Oscars yeah. kind of thing?
1: But, I mean, I think this movie probably deserved... A couple more nods, apart from just Best Actor.
0: I, I think Karen Allen is so good, and it yeah. is probably her okay. best performance.
1: Definitely, Karen Allen deserved to be nominated. The screenplay deserved to be nominated because the sort the story was just so good.
0: It's a really compelling uh, script, and the dialogue works so well. Granted, it's coming out of two like A list actors here, like yeah. S tier actors, and. Honestly, like, how the direction works and how the effects are integrated, I mean, don't get me wrong, not all the effects aged perfectly, but there's a few in here that I'm, like, I'm impressed by. The the spaceship at the end. yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's that snowing scene. I'm, like, this seems like a movie that probably should have gotten at least a special effects nod or, like, one or two more. Yeah. But... I guess let's finally get into the movie itself, Yeah, why
1: don't you tell everybody what the plot of the movie is?
0: I guess the gist of the film isn't super complicated. An alien that takes the form of a Wisconsin widow's husband. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of W's in there. uh, And he makes her drive uh, him across the country to get to Arizona so he can be picked up by his people. Yeah. And on the way, the two develop this understanding of each other he under begins to learn more about humanity and she begins to kind of overcome this grief mm-hmm. of the loss of her husband and they have fall in love
1: and this takes course over the span of three days
0: yes it takes course it's a very quick window they're playing with and as they're traveling across the country they're also being followed by a very we'll say distrustful government mm-hmm. That is also being head by a very sympathetic scientist Yeah, that is kind of hoping to capture Starman and just learn something about the universe. And it's a very interesting dichotomy, the A and B plot, Mm -hmm. you know, this scientist fighting the government and saying, look, you can't capture and dissect him. He's here because he caught the Voyager probe. That's basically our greeting card to science.
1: Exactly, and I think that was one of the biggest things that pissed me off in the movie was just... And I think that's, you know...
0: Intentional. It's
1: intentional. It's, you know, trying to get you to, you know, kind of feel for this, you know, person that's not really human. He just looks human, but he has emotions and feelings, and it's, you know, yeah, let's send out greetings so if there is a life form out there other than ours... We can connect and we could, you know, kind of learn. And it's like
0: First thing they do when they see the spaceship, <sighs> they shoot the fucker down.
1: I was just like, really? They're like you wanna connect and then you know, oh, we gotta cut cut 'em up and kill 'em. It's just like <laughs> why? It's like, what is the point of that?
0: <sighs> I feel that's a little bit of that like carpenter cynicism mm-hmm. in here. 'Cause I don't I don't think he had a whole big hand in the scripting process, but mm-hmm. that feels something that's a little carpenter cynicism. But I mean
1: it's also the same thing in E. T. Where you have, you know, the scary men with the keychains and they're <laughs> they're after E. T. The scary
0: man like, with the walkie-talkie. With
1: the walkie-talkies too, and it's just like, you know, he's, you know, not a bad creature, but yeah, if they got their hands on him, they're gonna cut him open and it's just like what's that gonna serve? You know, it's gonna be It's an alien. It's gonna be, you know, uh you know classified information that no one else you know ever hears about but it's just the secrets you know oh hey did you hear about that one time we caught this you know alien blah, blah, blah. It, <laughs> it's
0: so in 20 years they can do the, uh, um, the movie about the old FBI agent he's like son we caught an alien it's an Area 51 and his people are coming back and we need you to save the world like they're waiting they're, that's for that movie
1: When did everyone storm Area 51? Was that before the pandemic or during?
0: It was... I'm pretty sure that was before the pandemic. I don't think anybody actually stormed Area 51.
1: I remember the Facebook groups are going around like...
0: Oh, oh, they were acting so serious about it. I thought people were going to show up, but I, I don't know if they ever did.
1: I think they did. I think they were like on the outside gates and it's like, no, that's...
0: That's a real military base. It's if a base.
1: You... It's government property. They are not gonna let you in.
0: And th- well that was the that was the joke. They were gonna uh, Naruto run yeah. at it so, so to get maximum speed and the superintendent. So they, their philosophy was like, they can't shoot us all. And I'm like, Bro, it's a gof- it's a military Mm-mm. base. They will just shoot you. Yeah. I yeah. saw I saw something, and I think it was one of those, like, it was a Karen or whatever that drove onto a military base on accident. Oh, God. And the office, and, like, the the military police Mm -hmm. officer was telling her she needs to leave. Yeah. She's, like, on a, like, a military tarmac or something. Like, Mm -hmm. she just drove on and parked, and she's playing on her phone. Oh,
1: God. And he's like,
0: ma'am, you gotta leave. And she starts, like, yelling at him, and then he's like, ma'am, if you don't leave, I will be required to use lethal force to remove you from the property. And she keeps yelling, and I see, any chambers around, I'm like. Oh, is this going to gonna be one of those videos? Oh, shit. It was not. He he just, like, you know, detained her and got her off the fucking property. I mean,
1: that Karen kind of sounds like the cop that goes to the motel to, you know, basically surveil them. And, <laughs> and he's he just
0: Jimmy's open the fucking car.
1: Well, not only that, but, you know, his, uh, I don't know if maybe it's like his captain or his chief is like, Okay, you know, don't go near them. Just watch them. Uh, and he's like, well... You know, what if they approach us? What if they want to talk to us? Or, you know, what if he's like, you know, only use lethal force if you have to. And he hangs up the call and he's just, I think we got to use some lethal force. It's like, they're not even doing anything to you. They're not even near you.
0: They're in the hotel. Like, <sighs> where you got the the thing where it's, it's like, is this where the weird sex scene is with the alien? Because it's going to happen in the movie, it. You know what's coming up.
1: I mean, I wasn't anticipating it. I thought it was just going to be kind of a thing for... Um, Her name's Jane, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Karen Allen is playing, I believe, is it Jane or Jenny? Jenny. She's playing Jenny Hayden.
1: Jenny Hayden. Yeah. Uh, That's why I'm like, okay, it's going to be a thing for Jenny Hayden that it's kind of her coming to terms with losing her husband and, you know, finally bridging that next step in grief. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, that's going to be nice to kind of see her maybe get her goodbye because we get that he dies in an accident, her husband. We, we don't get any more on, you know, what really happened yeah. in that accident. If it was a car accident, a work accident. And then we kind of learned that they had only been married for like a year.
0: year and some change. So and it's not they even... tried to have a kid and they couldn't. Yeah, and
1: so it was just kind of like, okay, you know, she only had so much time with him before he was taken away. So I'm like, okay, we're going to get closure for Jenny at least. You know, maybe she can move on. Because we meet her and she's just watching old home videos. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that's, that's rough. You know, he's there one minute and he's gone the next. And then you have Starman show up who basically assumes his form. And it's just like, holy crap, my husband's kind of back.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's a really beautiful way to put it. Because the movie, it, it's about closure, right? And for for both of them. Yeah. I mean, for Jenny, it's, you know, husband's gone, and the whole movie is, I think she's the one who's going through the arc. She's mm-hmm. going from this place of incredible sadness, and through Starman, kind of sees the beauty in humanity, his wonder in humanity, and she, like, falls in love with that hope, that mm-hmm. that hope in humanity, and she kind of comes back around, and... I really do like this movie. Yeah,
1: so do it, it I. It's so
0: sappy though.
1: <laughs> I mean, I I wasn't sure how I was, was going to feel about it because it's like, you know, ooh, you know, we could have done done another horror movie, yeah, you know, something an action movie. But yeah, I ended up really liking this. I, you know, really was touched by the story where it's just they fall in love and it's just it's put there this isn't going to last because he can't survive here and she can't survive where he lives
0: and i think that's the beauty of it it's she's able to see her you know husband again yeah and it's the difference between he's gone all of a sudden and now she's able to have some time to come to terms with it she knows he's Mm going to be gone in three days yeah so now she's able to process that i mean
1: despite you know some of the earlier times she's trying to, you know, put out there that she's been kidnapped. Yes. And, you know, after that, after seeing that he's really more gentle and more vulnerable, it's just kind of like, you know what? I think I need to stop fighting this because he's not trying to hurt me.
0: And that's another thing. I love how Jenny operates in the movie Mm -hmm. because at first she is very much like this guy's kidnapping me. I'm just going to try and leave. I know he's an alien. I'm like, that's a very smart, logical, Mm -hmm. totally in- Okay decision Yeah And then when she's like Has the out And she's gonna leave Then she sees Fucking Starman Revive a deer From the dead
1: Yeah that got me I was just like Oh my god He brought this deer To life And he Freed it It's not like he ate it Or did anything You know Destroyed it No I was just like That was a very E.T. moment Like when he brings The flowers back to life
0: Oh yeah Oh I wanna I wanna bring that up Cause that's the The diner scene Yeah And that, oh my god, it is one of the, it's like one of the best scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. And it might, and it's probably the best scene Karen Allen has in the film. That's the, it's the first one they come up to this diner after they've been driving for a day or two.
1: Yeah, and she explains to him in the car, because he's like, you know, I have this great emptiness in me. And she's like, that's hunger, you're hungry. And it's, you know, her basically teaching him how to be human, because she's got to teach him how to talk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just... You're in a human body, so we ought to eat. And they're kind of like, go on a date.
0: Yeah, and it it starts as this funny thing. It's like, oh, the alien doesn't know how food works, and now she has to teach him. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to a really, like, kind of a deep and hard conversation where he... Where they're talking about her husband, Mm -hmm. and he asks, you know... And she's like, well, I loved him. And he's like, define love. Yeah. And she... Describes it in a way that's not like a screenwriter would write, like b- mm-hmm. prose. It's very human. It's very natural. And it's she, real. It's real, and she can't even like finish it because she she breaks down at the table because she has yeah. to like when somebody you love dies and that feeling. And I'm like, oh my god, you are. This is the Oscar clip, boys. Yeah, this is amazing. It is, and well, that's going on, and then she you know excuses herself when the when the you know, apple pie gets there. And when she goes off and then uh, Starman goes out to rev- and revives this deer from the dead that some hunters had, and it's like, okay, this guy is not evil or harmful. He's curious, but he has this underlying sense of life. life, Yeah.
1: And that's what I like when we get later, well, at the end of the movie with Mark, who works for the government. Mm-hmm where he's just talking to Starman for a few minutes, and he's like, basically, you guys are archaeologists. You're just here to kind of, you know, learn and discover our, you know, species, our race. And you're not here to, like, tamper with anything. You're just here to observe what we do and how we
0: live. And I love that that scene, because that's at the end of the film. That's, yeah. like, right before the, the big mm-hmm. climax. Yeah. And Starman asks him, he's like, or do you want to know what I find most beautiful about your species? Well, Mar- no, he
1: says, you want to know what I find most beautiful about you.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Mark
1: is kind of like, like, oh, you think I'm beautiful? But it's just like...
0: <laughs> he's He means humanity. Yeah,
1: he means humanity. But it's just, you know, that's a nice way to phrase that question versus, you know, oh, you know you know what I find fascinating or interesting about, you know, humans. It's just, you know...
0: What is beautiful. beautiful. You are at your... You are at your best when things are at their worst, and mm-hmm. you know that that tried and true logic of humanity when yeah. things are bad, we will persevere, we will move on because you can hit people, you can smash them, you can crush people, but the human spirit, yeah. just keeps on keeping on and it's yeah. it's a it's the beautiful thing of humanity,
1: yeah, and you know that's you know he learns the word beautiful when he's talking about you know, where he lives. And she asks, and he's like, you know, yeah, it's very beautiful, but, you know, Earth is beautiful just as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know, if we were to go up into space, you know, that's a whole new beauty that we've never experienced with our own eyes before. But to see it from him, who's never been here, you know, seeing trees, seeing the desert, you know, it's, it's cool to see it from his
0: aspect. Oh, yeah. And I, I really do think this movie is very very strong for what it is i'm just wondering how how best to to broach the rest of the film because it is it's at its heart it's it's a romance film it's a sci-fi film it's a little bit of genre a little bit of this a little bit of that a
1: little bit of comedy
0: a little bit of comedy and i'm wondering why this is the carpenter movie that's kind of been forgotten you know at the time it was probably like contemporaneously his most successful movie Mm -hmm. it it, you know cost 20 million to make i think he makes 25 so not a huge box office smash but makes its money back in a little but it's nominated for an oscar and all the critics love it so that's pretty good and it plays on tv forever Mm -hmm. but why is it that audiences now haven't reclaimed this like they've reclaimed you know all his other films of the 1980s
1: I mean, when you think of John Carpenter, you think of, you know, his horror, his sci-fi movies. You know, maybe a lot of people just haven't heard that he did, like, a...
0: Basically a a, a Spielberg movie?
1: A a dramedy. Hmm. Where it's just... I mean, it's coming from a time in the 80s where there was a lot of romantic movies, drama movies, where it probably just fell through the cracks, you know, with bigger romance stories that happened
0: yeah and also this is coming off of e.t two years later mm-hmm. i think e.t is still playing in theaters at this point and it's one of those things where there was a lot of the e.t or the amblin entertainment mm-hmm. um like zeitgeist that was going on all yeah. of those family films in the 1980s and this one curves a little bit higher than a family movie you know, like, I, I don't know if I could show this to, like, a little... I can take a little kid to this, and they would be interested. Because it really is a kind of an adult film. Like, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on yeah. here. And you're not really getting a lot of action until pretty much the end of the movie. And... But it's also this very interesting sci-fi story. And it's very hammered in that it's, you know, the genre sci-fi... I I wonder if this is just too out there for the adults who are in for a romance movie and too schmaltzy for the genre people who are in for a sci-fi movie no
1: I don't feel like it's too heavy either either way I think it's a good it's really good distributed the way that it is it's just I think yeah it's not a kid's movie because we don't see him you know jumping back and forth you know into his alien form we're just seeing him in his physical form on this planet. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think, you know, more geared towards adults who can, you know, understand the complexity of, you know, loss and curiosity. And we, we get a lot of curiosity from him because he's just trying to learn to human. Yeah. You know, like when he's watching TV in the the hotel room mm-hmm. or the motel room. And it's just, you know, he's seeing you know, uh, old Western movies. And then he sees that one movie, I can never remember the name of the movie. Where they're, where they're kissing on the beach.
0: Oh, I have no idea what the movie is. It,
1: it's used in so many movies and shows. <laughs> but, you know, he's like, oh, you know, kissing. And he's trying to kiss her. And she keeps, like, rolling over in the bed. And he's just, like, you know, trying to get, you know, a kiss and move his hat out of his way.
0: He's like, how does this work?
1: Yeah, and, you know, she's just asleep and, you know, not paying attention. And then that's when we get, you know, dude, the cops are trying to break into your car. Oh. And then they, you know, fling the, the vending machine down the stairs, which...
0: It's a good way to get a distraction.
1: Good distraction. Got him out of there.
0: Also, I want to talk about Jeff Bridges' performance as an alien. Because, you know, you are he's walking a fine line here. He's the, the dude. He is the dude. And Jeff Bridges is another one of those actors. Um, I think same as Kurt Russell. He comes from, like, an acting background. Like, a family background. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really another one of those actors that's not super pretentious about the craft. And he's very show up i'll be well researched i'll be mm-hmm. well prepared for my work but it, it's work you know he, he understands you know show up yeah don't be difficult be cool to everybody and get get the job done yeah you know it's not like daniel day lewis who refused to walk for a whole production because his character was in a wheelchair
1: i um, mean that man is just dedicated to his characters
0: yes yes also being difficult sometimes but
1: i uh, mean didn't he almost die of pneumonia during lincoln
0: he almost died of pneumonia during Gangs in New York. Mm. Yeah, he might have almost died of pneumonia during Lincoln. That sounds like a very Daniel Day-Lewis thing to do.
1: I mean, that's great, you know, because it, it gives off a, you know, Oscar-worthy performance, but it's like, yeah, I think, you know...
0: Can you just bring the intensity down just a hair? Just
1: a hair. Yeah, you know, where you're almost ready to be put in the hospital, that's a little bit much.
0: Exactly. Jeff Bridges, though, totally cool. Awesome guy.
1: Yeah, and I think he totally pulls off this performance.
0: Yeah, well the reason I say fine line is because I feel if he goes too far into playing like comedy, talking like a weird robot person, like he's either giving he's either gonna make it too cartoonish. No, but,
1: I, I oh. think, you know, with this it could have been a fine line of scary alien or like my favorite Martian kind of alien where it's, you know, very sitcommy.
0: Where it's goofy or it's scary.
1: Yeah, so it's like, I think he has a good mix where, you know, he's learned to talk because of the program that was sent up, you know, into space. And he's learned, you know, all these greetings. So, yeah, you know, for a while, his voice is very kind of choppy because it's just recordings that he's kind of, you know, trained yeah. himself. But it's funny to see him learn, you know, new words and him, you know, wanting to know what this word means and why you know it it has importance Mm. but uh yeah i mean when he learns the up yours
0: oh favorite part of the movie
1: (laughs) one of the favorite parts i was just like a
0: lot of great little gags in the movie
1: yeah i mean even when he gets into the fist fight with the the guys over the deer you know he takes you know a good punch and then he's like oh okay that's what that does and you know cocks his arm and knocks the guy you know Practically across the parking lot. I'm
0: just saying, in that scene, we see Starman versus Jason Voorhees. Starman wins. He does. Yeah, yeah. The 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 main actor that's Ted White. He's mm-hmm. um old old school stuntman. He was Jason in Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Okay. And he had been in Hollywood so long, he was Clark Gable's stunt double.
1: No way.
0: No, yeah, no. He's he's been in the game a long wow. time. I think he's still alive. To be honest, I think he's still around. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, he'd probably be in his 90s by now, but I'm pretty sure he's still around. I think I saw that somewhere. Hmm. But, yeah, he's been in the game so long, he was a stunt double for uh, Clark Gable.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Which, fascinating. But, as it goes, um... Yeah, so... Jeff Bridges, I think, does do a really good job. Happy he got the Oscar nom. Surprise Karen Allen didn't.
1: Yeah, she definitely deserved a nomination for this because her character is just as complex as his.
0: I think it's even more, and she's given the harder task because she has to play off of Jeff Bridges' star man, who is, for the most part, a blank for the first half of the movie. Mm -hmm. She has to almost bounce off of nothing and has to carry so much emotional weight. Whereas, you know, Jeff Bridges gets a little bit more of a showy performance because he gets to be the alien and gets to be kind of weird and quirky.
1: And he gets to be, like you said, a blank slate. Everything is brand new to him. And it's her basically being afraid to, no, let me teach you because I don't want, you know, someone else to take advantage of you. This is what this means that, you know.
0: And so forth. It's a really good performance on both sides. I and, mean, I think... And a well, you know, testament to John Carpenter.
1: No, definitely. And I think, you know, what really got me was when they had that talk about why they didn't have babies, her and her husband. Mm. And she was just, you know, that was me. You know, I, I can't have it. And, you know, he was like, you know, well, I gave you one. And basically, you know, gives her the bio of what this child's going to be. And he's like, you know, it is your husband's child, but it's also mine, too. And it's just like...
0: I I love that because he also gives her the option. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, because they... Obviously, alien romance movie, they bang in the back of a train car, which, you know, there you go.
1: Yeah, they do.
0: And he's like, I gave you a baby. Mm -hmm. If you do not want the baby, I can stop it. It's up to you. And it's like, that's a really, like... Because, you know, in any other movie, you know, right before he goes off into the Mm -hmm. spaceship, he would have just reached over and be like, but you'll always remember me because you'll always have a piece of me with you. And it'll like touch her belly and then it'll be like, oh, yeah, gave her the preggers. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. But no, he does it in, you know, because they bang. And then like right after, like right, literally the next scene, he's like, I gave you a baby. And I was sitting there and I was like, bruh,
1: you gotta be kidding me.
0: Well, and the thing is like she's like, oh, absolutely, thank you so much, you know, because she wanted a kid and he gave it to her. And it's like, thank and, and, you for, 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 like, not being problematic, 80s movie. I know, that's what I, that's
1: what I was anticipating. I was like, oh, God, you know, he knocked her up and it's just going to be like, well. He's going
0: to leave her ass in the desert. It's like,
1: well, deuces, I got to get back on my, you know, spaceship and go. And then I was just like, where are we going from here? And then when he explains and he goes, you know, don't worry, he will be human and he's gonna grow up to be a teacher, and you know, will you please tell me, or will you tell him about me when he grows up? And it's just I love like
0: that bit where she's like, "Which star's yours?" So she mm-hmm. uh, she can tell her son where her, where his dad's from. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, that's oh." I know There's a lot of oh in this movie.
1: I know. I was like, that scene was just like, why can't they make it work? <laughs> but I was just like, also, thank you, John Carpenter, and the the screenwriters for giving us. Closure because we know that they're not gonna end up together, and we know we're probably not gonna see you know this baby in this movie because there was only so much more time left, yeah. As the movie, you know, was hitting that you know the climax, whoa, well, and it's just like, you know, it's like, okay, cool, we get to hear who this child is basically gonna grow up to be.
0: Well, if you wanted to see the baby, you could have always watched the Starman television show,
1: there was a television show.
0: Come, yep, comes out in nineteen eighty seven, I believe. It stars um the the main actor from Airplane, not Leslie Nielsen, the um,
1: the other guy, the uh, other guy that
0: flies the plane. Yeah, I, I forget his name, and I do apologize because yeah. I looked it up. But uh, yeah, it ran for one season on ABC back in the eighties, and not not a great TV show, but it's about Starman coming back down from space oh, no. to hook to meet up with his son because jenny has been kidnapped by the government and and they have have to go on a cross-country journey to save the the mother and jeff bridges doesn't return it's it's again a
1: new star man new
0: new star man karen allen's not in the show the kid is like they age it up so it takes place 15 years later so the kid's 15 yeah it it's not it's not a great show
1: why do studios do this where it's like you have a masterpiece this would be like coming back and then Okay, we're gonna have the E.T. show where Elliot's been kidnapped and E.T.'s gotta come back and find him and save him. Oh, okay, hold up.
0: Wasn't there an E.T. cartoon? I don't know. I feel that exists.
1: I know there was a Ghostbusters cartoon.
0: There was, like, four Ghostbusters cartoons.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there was an E.T. one. I know there was an Atari game.
0: God, that that game. Ooh, that game was mythical for Decades and then they found the pit, and then they were like, well, Oh, yeah, this we, game's shit.
1: We watched that documentary where they went hunting through years and years of garbage, and they actually found the pit where
0: they, all the games were. They, they, like... they trashed a million plus copies of E.T. Yeah, oh god, but um, ugh.
1: but it's just like, leave movies alone. It's like, it's <laughs> like, if,
0: let the movie stand,
1: yeah, like, let the movie stand on its own. We don't need a you know, okay, continued with. Nobody from the original cast, or it's just like, no.
0: Says says the girl who wants sequels to um, every movie, you wanted a sequel to The Thing. You were very angry at the ending of The Thing, where it didn't open for sequels.
1: No, I just wanted, you know, the guy with the light coming out of his face. I wanted that. And then, you know, we don't know... Are they infected? Do they die? Yeah, hey, that's
0: the best part of the thing. Best part like, of the thing. like,
1: But I liked in this movie, we're given closure. They get to say goodbye to each other. You know that she's going to go on to have a child, so she's not going to be alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. You know, I like this movie. And no, it didn't need a show.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I know you. I noticed you mentioned the writer a minute ago. Um, th- there were two writers, main writers on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Evans and Reynald Gideon. And Bruce Evans, I think he's the original writer for it, and he did a lot of it, mm-hmm. or at least the original concept. He goes on to do Stand by Me, like two years later, to oh, write wow. Stand by Me. So I'm like, okay,
1: another sh- great movie.
0: Chops. chops are here. Yeah, we're good. But there's a whole kerfluffle about the um, the screenwriting credits for this, because hmm. I guess when John Carpenter got on, another writer, Dean Reisner, he did a full rewrite of the script and basically kept the basic plot elements, but he was uncredited for Hmm. political reasons. Oh, okay. But John Carpenter was like, yeah, I, I shot his script. I had never met the other two fucking guys. So who knows? But interesting writing tidbit about this. Yeah. And one more little tidbit about the movie is this is John Carpenter and not Dean Cundey.
1: Yeah, that's true. Who is the, the D.O.P. in this movie?
0: The cinematographer of this is Donald M. Morgan. He's also the D.O.P. for Christine. Oh. So when the thing had its tragedy, uh, John Carpenter and Dean Cundey had a falling out, and Carpenter goes over to Columbia, Dean Cundey manages to stay in Universal, and he goes on to, you know...
1: Back to the Future.
0: Back to the Future, Hoof and Roger Rabbit, Jurassic Park, becomes the special effects cinematographer of the 80s and 90s, and then makes Jack and Jill and... You know, life yeah, happens. You
1: and Jack and Jill.
0: It astounds me. The man who who shot the thing also shot Jack and Jill. Also the Garfield movie. Just want to throw that out there. So, we have, you know, Donald M. Morgan, who's the cinematographer here. And I feel that he's, he has a pretty strong presence through this film. Because this doesn't even look that much like a John Carpenter film. I feel that no. that Morgan here has a lot of sway in terms of the movie's look, a lot more than Carpenter probably had influence on the previous films.
1: Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head where it it doesn't look like a Carpenter movie, but to go with the story, I think it looks the way that it needed to look. Mm -hmm. It needed to kind of look, you know, empty, because that's how Jenny's feeling, you know, just these kind of empty spaces... But I mean, also just being able to transition from the emptiness of the country to the bright lights of Vegas and um, the little teepee park near the crater at the end. It's like I like the choices that they made to kind of tie the movie in together.
0: Yeah. And also the effects shots that are going on in the movie, because all these effects shots that are happening, they are Definitely something that requires a steady cinematographer, Mm -hmm. steady hands, somebody who knows the lighting, knows the craft, knows how to integrate that stuff really well.
1: I mean, let alone when Jenny's shot by the cops. Shocking.
0: Shocking Yeah, I I
1: wasn't expecting that. Um, But the fact that she dies, and basically he finds a way to, you know, with his technology, he's able to revive her. But the fact that he's able to find this house that's being transported... On the back of this, you know, truck. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to put her in here where she can lay down and no one's going to bother her and no one's going to touch her. You know, so it's going from, you know, these fast shots with the cars to this explosion to now they're in the house. Even the lighting, the the red lights that are just coming in through the, the windows of the house.
0: And that's something I really like about the cinematography of the film is... We go from, we have these big, broad, open landscapes that are all naturally lit, and they're, you know, big, cinematic, Howard Hawksian John Fordian vistas. Mm -hmm. And then you have moments in the film, like, when they're in the house, where it's this, okay, now it's this very sci-fi-esque lighting. Mm -hmm. And to symbolize, you know, Jeff Bridges as this alien, there's a lot of, like, blue light going on, and then there's this red light going on, and then... Like the end of the film when the spaceship comes down and you have that red light yeah. in the snow and it's like, oh my God, this is like beautiful. Stranger, the
1: Stranger Things. Yeah, the I Stranger like, Thing vibe. I was like, we're getting Stranger Things. Um, I mean, let alone after he drives through the, the, the gas tanker and there's the explosion. He has a Superman moment when he's just carrot Superman Herculean moment where he's just carrying her through the fire. And it's just like, wow, okay, this movie has so much in it but it doesn't suck it works it all works together
0: yeah there's a, there i don't think there's a part of the movie that i objectively find bad is mm-hmm. there is there anything in the movie that you think it maybe comes up short or doesn't work all that well i mean there's a few dated effects i ain't gonna lie
1: yeah but i mean i think the only thing bad and it's not bad on anyone's part it's just you know the way it's written is the government workers that are just, you know, out to get them, and it's just...
0: There's a lot of just faceless bad guy.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the only bad, but that's, you know, supposed to be bad. They're supposed to be these kind of soulless characters, and then we have this, you know, alien here who we would assume would be the soulless one because he's not human, and he ends up having a ton of heart.
0: Yeah, and the only person who does have a soul or even any sense of character is the... The one scientist, and it's a scientist, not a person of the government or military. Yeah,
1: he's a contractor.
0: Yeah, he's somebody independent of them that's inside the government that has the soul. The Mm -hmm. government doesn't have, has no soul. Yeah. Again, another carpenterism of uh, cinema. The government, no soul. You know, it's it's fun.
1: I mean, let alone when the, the spaceship starts to descend... But it's just, you know, everybody comes to a stop. All the soldiers, the the helicopters, they land and it's just, yeah, we're we're going to fire. We're going to, you know, shoot to kill. And it's just like, you know, that human curiosity kicks in and it's like, I got to stop what I'm doing. You know, I've got sand whipping me in the eyes, but it's like, I got to see this because this is a once in a lifetime thing. You know, it's like, screw orders. It's a
0: fucking spaceship.
1: A spaceship that looks like Saturn.
0: Yes, a very shiny Saturn.
1: Yeah, because at first I'm like, is this supposed to be like... A planet? Well, no, because it's reflective. So I'm like, is this supposed to be kind of like a water drop? And then once it really gets close, it's Saturn. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's an interesting concept. We've seen spaceships in other movies. But I'm like, to use a planet? Pretty cool compared to all the spaceships we've seen in movies and TV shows.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I was a little sad we didn't get, like, a 1950s flying saucer going on. I I feel like that would be the Carpenter, like, thing, right? He well, that would throw was what they to said, too. Movie.
1: They were like, oh, yeah, you know, people were reporting they saw a flying saucer. So I assumed, okay, this is going to be that kind of movie where we get a flying saucer. And it's like, okay, you know, after seeing it be, you know, Saturn, I'm like, okay, so I could see someone mistaking the rings of it being a flying saucer at night.
0: Yeah, I do I do like how it... All the technology and everything that, you know, Starman the alien uses is so, like, foreign and ethereal. Yeah. it's Because he's, like, a non being. He's just this floating light thing at the yeah. beginning of the movie. And I think that's a really interesting way to portray an alien in a film. It's not this puppet, like, an E.T., and it's not just a guy, like, in, you know... Star Trek.
1: Yeah, I, I, there, I, I'm or like wondering all
0: other 50s alien movies.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, Third Rock from the Sun, they maybe took from this movie because I know when they describe themselves, you know, on their home planet, they're like purple tubes. Mm-hmm. So it's just like okay, you know, again, we're not getting puppets. It's just people. Well, we're getting people, but it's you know, in essence, when they're on their home planet, they're just like matter. Mm. They're they're not a physical form. It's just.
0: They're are a thing.
1: They're a thing, yeah, and not like the thing, but they're oh, God. a thing.
0: Could, that would have been the the sickest like post credits tie in where Starman goes up and then it crashes and he crashes into Antarctica,
1: and then you know it's just whatever whatever noise the the thing makes.
0: Oh, uh, but um, but yeah, so Starman, uh, final thoughts.
1: I thought it was terrific, like Dutch apple pie.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful statement right there i I do really uh really enjoyed the movie. This was one of the most surprising watches of the year. I ain't even gonna lie.
1: I don't know if it was just me, maybe it's the way the shot It looked more like a seventies movie than it did an eighties movie oh yeah, it was very soft and
0: it was very locked down, yeah, yeah, which
1: well, i I don't mind.
0: Oh, no, I think it works well to the to the point of the film. And the other thing is John Carpenter is, is a classicist. He likes, you know, Howard Hawks movies. He's not a very flashy director. He you know, locks the camera down, composes the frame, and then shoots the movie. Yeah. He's not trying to do a 15-minute long take that swoops through the Copacabana and takes you into the club to seduce you into this life of crime. But, you know, Goodfellas is great, too.
1: It is. But, I mean, in this movie, we have a lot of, you know big open spaces we have you know the train going by we have the two of them sitting in the back of the pickup truck
0: that train was a miniature by the way was it yeah
1: the the, where it's just going across the landscape yeah that was a
0: miniature that blew my fucking mind i saw the picture and i'm like that no that was a that was a real right because they have a close-up where it goes Mm -hmm. through the frame or whatever and it that's a real train right it's not it's a fucking miniature the thing's like six inches tall that's blew filmmaking. My,
1: blew my mind. It's magic.
0: But yeah, and uh, Starman, magical, magical film. Really do recommend this.
1: I Two thumbs up.
0: Two, two enthusiastic thumbs up. Um, It's just hard to find now.
1: Yeah, I had a really hard time finding it. I guess it's on TV. My mom said that she was flipping through the channels, I think, earlier this week. And she was like, oh, it was playing on TV. But a- to stream it...
0: Oh, it just doesn't exist on streaming.
1: I mean, you either have to pay for it. Um, I guess it was a part of Tubi recently, but they took it off.
0: Yeah, the TV show's still on Tubi.
1: Oh, God, I'm not watching that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I had to go through, like, a third party to find it. I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, uh, a Herculean task to find the DVD of this. Yeah. Because, I mean, this would be one that I'd like to add to the collection.
0: It also has, like, the worst um, Blu-ray cover Because it's just Jeff Bridges' face with this red streak over his face. And it's like, is he supposed to be a cyborg or what's going... It's a really weird cover. It looks like it's advertising like a sci-fi action film. What does it look like?
1: Like, uh, not Predator. um...
0: I mean, I think it kind of looks like a a knockoff 12 Monkeys poster, but... That's just me.
1: I mean, you love that movie. You will bring up that movie I, anytime. time you Monkeys can. 12 Monkeys
0: is a great film. But, well, you know what else is a great film? The film we're watching next week.
1: Yeah, because next week ends John Carpenter Month at the film club.
0: It does. And the only way to end this, because our goal for the John Carpenter Month was to go through some of the major points, major films mm-hmm. of John Carpenter's career. We did his first real film in Assault on Precinct 13, We did his first film with money with Escape from New York. We did his first auteurist film with The Thing. We did his, honestly, his most critically accepted film in Starman. And now we're going to do his return to independent cinema.
1: And another iconic film of John Carpenter. Because, I mean, a lot of his movies... Are so iconic on their own, and it's not like you could, you know, say John Carpenter, and everyone's going to have the same answer. Mm -hmm. It's always something that makes them think of, you know, of him. And this movie, you know, also kind of started a, an artistic, frenzy. You know, maybe like a decade ago, or, not too long ago. But we're going to be watching They Live.
0: Yes, we're watching They Live, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. This movie is iconic of iconics. It's probably up there with uh, Halloween in terms of Carpenter's most iconic films yeah. or most well-known films. It just Rowdy Roddy Piper. So and- we're
1: definitely going to talk about WWE next week.
0: Oh, absolutely. And the other great, or the other interesting part is that it's the end of the Carpenter run. Yeah. Because after they live, he gets cursed by Chevy Chase and then we get the 90s mediocre John Carpenter films. It's true sadness, but we get to watch They Live next week. I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. I've only seen this one time. Really? And I think I watched it last year for the first time. So it's going to be still a very fresh movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, you see, you know, all the...
0: The Obey posters. The Obey
1: posters, the the artistry.
0: The, the thing where you have the glasses on.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've i been looking for those. I know, I don't know if it's a t-shirt company that I follow or somebody where they sell, like, sunglasses with, they live across the eyes. So I was just <laughs> like, like, I kind of want a pair of those.
0: Oh, uh, but I can't wait.
1: Me too. But if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and eventually this episode will drop
0: on YouTube. Yes, it will. You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That is The Film Vault on YouTube. Uh, like comment subscribe and we release videos every week and when we get antsy we'll release two but where else can they go to follow our stories
1: well if you want to follow our adventures you can find us on instagram at the film club podcast where we post daily stories uh stuff from the haunt season just any adventure that we go on movie trivia and yeah with that
0: we'll see you all next week at the film club
1: peace